This is Unstructured. Today we're joined by Jeffrey Hazlett. Pretty excited about this. Jeffrey, he's been all over the map, from Celebrity Apprentice to the CMO of Kodak to, you know, why stop there? Just go ahead and own your own television network, a radio network. And he's also a author of multiple books, two of which I've read, The Mirror Test, Is Your Business Really Breathing? And Think Big, Act Bigger, The Rewards of Being Relentless. And I believe he has a new book out called The Hero Factor. How are you doing today, Jeffrey? I am doing great. Can't complain at all. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, you kind of have a a bit of a swagger. Is that sort of part of your brand That's image? True. Well, you know, you could a brand is nothing but a promise delivered. So if you look at it that way, that's a, you know, I I I walk the talk or talk the walk and both. So I think you have to deliver both. But I, you know, a lot of people do describe it as, as a swagger. Somebody the other day, I was at a meeting and they asked the speaker what they would be most like. They said they would love to have the eloquence of Les Brown and the swagger of Jeffrey Avon. So I, I took that as that. I think that is a great, great compliment, actually, and just thinking it's good. Yeah, you know, I, and, but, but I also walk a little bow-legged, uh, you know, six foot three, kind of a big guy, and, and, and walk with a little swagger, too. But yeah, in, in business world, I, you know, to be just very transparent and, you know, call it as it is, yeah, I walk with some swagger because, you know, I've done a lot of things. I keep doing a lot of things. I've been, decent at most things um you know in terms of delivering pretty big results so yeah well you know um if you got it you use it you know <laughs> have you ever heard of um, christopher lockhead i don't think so but might <laughs> okay yeah he was the uh, cmo of macromedia and um i think he was CMO of Mercury or something like that, and then they got bought up by HP. But you guys both kind of remind of me, remind me of each other. He's a has a oh. surfer swagger, but is a edgy guy. Oh, cool! Very, very cool. Oh, uh, you talking about Mercury? Was it Mercury Printing or Mercury? I don't know which Mercury it was. I don't remember the full name of the company. It was the early oddies. But I know HP. Um, HP bought him out for four billion. Oh wow. Well, that's the anytime you get up into the bees, that's pretty good. That's in that's in that's in high altitude, um, you know. And anybody that's doing anything in the billions, well, you know, it is. It's uh, it's a very elite club. I mean, when you look at the number of businesses in North America, it's twenty eight million businesses in North America. It's only seventy five hundred of them that are over a billion dollars. You know, I was chief marketing of Eastman Kodak. We were about one hundred forty six billion in revenue. I my budget for marketing was seventeen billion. You know, so when you, when you get up to that level, it's it's a, it's a it's high altitude, baby. It's it's you know, it's not it's not uh, not a lot of people walking in that space. That's interesting. I really love that you gave me the budget for that because that's something I'm still trying to get my head around and understand is marketing, and you're demonstrating with that budget exactly how important that was for the company. How would you describe marketing? Well, marketing is the inception of the idea all the way through customer satisfaction. You know, a lot of people think more of marketing more as, you know, advertising or communications function when it's really not. And, you know, at a bigger level, a more mature company, it a marketer is someone who's extremely strategic in the company. Um, in a lot of cases, as I did, I own strategy, which was, you know, the people in this, you know, in strategy reported up to me and that we were responsible for kind of trying to set the future direction and get it on, on track. So it's, you know, 
it's coming up with whatever ID you got and making sure that it gets implemented and then the customer satisfied. Because in the end, if you don't sell stuff, if you don't move, you know, if you don't move margins, if you don't move uh, market penetration or market value, or if you don't move, you know, overall sales and profitability, then eh, what's the use? So, um, you know, that's really what you think about marketing. You know, just like your comment about my brand earlier, you know, you know, again, you know, most people look at a brand and say, well, that's my brand. Well, they look at a brand mostly for brand attributes about, you know, what it looks like or, or feels or, or, you know, how it's supposed to be represented. But you really have to look deeper than that. And that's what a good marketer does. And marketer says, what, what are we going to deliver? What's the promise? You know, what's that promise that we deliver? And but you got to come up with it. You got to get a business plan around it. You got to put a go-to-market plan to it, and yeah, and then you got to manage to the to the profits and losses, and and really run a, a really run a, a business. Now, marketers don't normally hold a P and L um, in terms of a you know like a GM or president of the division, um, but at my role. Um, you know, I, I, I could override those GMs at that level just because, you know, um, that was the tension we put into the system. So, but it's, it's, it's not an easy, it's, and by the way, when you're doing that from a central function, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, it's very complicated. I wrote my second book was called Running the Gauntlet because that's what it's like. It's like running a freaking corporate gauntlet and everybody's beating that living crap out of you as you run by. Um, you know, you know. Because, you know, there are things you would do. Right? You, you mentioned Celebrity Apprentice. I said we're going to do Celebrity Apprentice. We're going to send, we're going to spend X many millions of dollars on it. And then when you say X many millions, then it's two and a half times the money. Because whatever you spend on, on a program or advertising, you have to spend about two and a half that for activation. So if we did, a say, $100 million, like we would spend it on the Olympics, um, you know, it's really two, $250 million. Uh, because you got to bring customers, you got to advertise it, you got to, you know, you got to tie it in the product mix, you got to, you know, put, you know, official product of the Olympics, so forth and so on. Is that like an employee? Your the salary of an employee is only part of what the company is actually paying out. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good that's a good analogy, you know, because you've also got the benefits and everything else, right? Right. So you have the baseline that people see, but then everything surrounding it, like all the labor and everything else you're having to put into the campaign and. You mentioned the yeah. customers, things like that. Yeah, you want because you know if you're going to go to the Olympics, you 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 know you you host people there, you send your best customers there, you use that as a. I called them closing events. I didn't like calling them you know boondoggles or, <laughs> or you, know, uh, you know, but you know, but uh, well, when I got there at Kodak, I can tell you it was like we you know, we we sponsored Disney, we sponsored the Olympics, we sponsored NASCAR, we sponsored IndyCar, and I can keep going. And, um, and when I got there, I said, nope, 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 no. And then we just started scaling things back um, dramatically because our SG&A costs were way out of whack at the time. Um, and, 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 and everything was, you know, was spending below the line, not above the line. And even that, that, that was, this is stuff I would consider above the line, meaning, you know, promotion, advertising, and directly related to closing sales. We didn't have things in place like, you know, for if you bring a customer to Daytona 500, you better close a lot of business with this guy or gal. And because and, if you're going to entertain somebody at that level, you're going to hire limos that 
that, that they have police escorts that go through crowds, you know, to get you right up to a suite, to take them into a suite where they get to meet the driver and they get to go down to the pits and they get to, you know, go to the driver's meeting and they get to meet, you know, famous people and all this other stuff, you know, you're, 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 and you, you, know, you got barbecue, you got hot dogs on my favorite, by the way, the 2500 was the fried bologna sandwiches, but just, just so you know, <laughs> uh, I thought those were really good. Yeah. And um, so anyway, we'd have, you know, a suite of food and so forth, but they didn't have in place at the time, um, you know, uh, what I call closing regiments, meaning you, you got to put people at a certain percentage of clothes at a certain dollar amount and turn the, turn that event into multi-million dollar sales activity. So you're saying that it's possible to throw all these events, but if you don't have a, I don't know if you call it a funnel or a purpose to the event, you're just throwing money away. Absolutely. You know, so I call them closing events, meaning they had to be at 90% within 30 days of close, or I said they couldn't come. Mm. They can't come. You can't bring them. So that, that event better get them over the edge so you can hurry up and close them. Or they're not coming to the event. Yeah. So we put in we put in practice, and then I worked at you know, and I worked with the old the the president of the region at the time was a guy named Kevin Joyce, and you know Kevin put in a, a system that you know was tied to our sales force and tied to our you know at what opportunity stage they were at at what at what date, which was just a it was a fantastic way to look at you know um, the stages a customer would be in that funnel. Perfect. Now. You had mentioned um, in one of your books, I think it's the mirror test that you went into company cadences. Yeah. Would you consider that to be the pulse of a company? Yeah, you, you can walk in. I mean, think about this. You, I'm sure you've walked into a company. You can feel the mood of the company right away. It's kind of like watching West Wing or something. You know, I think I actually described it in the book with West Wing. You know, you watch that show. It's kind of an energy to it. You watch another show. It's got a different energy. Same thing with companies. Some companies have fast, you know, fast pace. Some are slower. Some are more staid, you know. Um, and and I think cadence is an important thing. You know, I'm I'm one of those people when my, my employees tell me, hey, you know, it's cold in the office. Well, work harder. You know, warm up. You know, <laughs> you know. So, you know, so you know, you just got to have that kind of energy in that so that it keeps it going. And I actually used the word the other day with one of my sales guys. I just hired a new VP of of sponsorship and partnerships and. I, and I finally called him on the phone. I said, dude, we got to get into a cadence here because I don't like the rhythm we got going right now. He goes, well, what do you mean? I said, I want to talk to you every morning. I want you to be my first call before we even get started in the morning. You know, we walk into that office. I, you know, I get there pretty early. I'm an hour ahead of you. I want to talk to you right away. And then I want to be the last person that you talk to or I talk to in the day because I want us to have that you know, start it, get it moving, and close it by the end of the night, kind of cadence. And I used the exact word cadence. Well, cool. I'm glad to bring it up. Speaking of um, new projects, I understand you just bought the top-level domains.ceo? Yeah, we've got a, a partnership. So we bought a, a, about half that company, and I'm trying to buy the rest of it now. And and uh, we, yeah, there's top-level domains. There's .biz, .com, you know, .gov, .edu. In the ICANN, the International Committee of Assignment of Names and Numbers opened up a number of them a few years back, and they created different types of categories or different types of domains you could get. You could get entities like .nyc is one of those, or you could get you could be a group like .catholic, .lutheran, uh, .girl scouts, .boy scouts, and then then they then they allowed you to to buy the brand name. 
So there's a lot of them like Cox and uh, Ford and Northwestern Mutual, a lot of companies, uh, Coca-Cola, they all, Pepsi, they all bought their own names. And which, by the way, is just brilliant and smart because it releases the whole Google has on them in terms of AdWords. You know, it's amazing that companies spend tens of millions of dollars, kind of a dirty secret, hmm. just to promote stuff on their own website. Oh, I believe it. doesn't it. make sense. Yeah, I mean, to find stuff on your own website, you know, at, at Ford.com, you, you have to do that. So this, this kind of breaks the stranglehold. And then last but not least, they created a category. I, I called it Category Killers back when they opened it up. And it was things like .kosher, .music, .auto, you know, .fashion, uh, .milk. And then, of course, um, dot some show. people, a good buddy of mine. <laughs> yeah, dot .show, yeah, exactly. Um, you could have, you know, could have bought dot author dot speaker. It could be a lot, a lot of different ones. I think uh, when they reopen it up again, there'll be more people applying for some of those. I think it'd be kind of cool. Now, how, how did that um, process go about? Was it an auction or a lottery? Yeah. Well, first you had to apply. Um, if more than one person or entity applied for it, then it would go into an auction, a closed door auction. Uh, between the participating um, uh, entities that were going after them. There were a lot of syndicates that were created in that process. There were a number of auctions for some some names that got into the millions of dollars before they were finally purchased. Um, but yeah, you had to put down like $150,000 down just in an application and and you could lose that. So if mm. somebody else applied and, and you and you lost the bid, uh, you lost that. You lost that one hundred and fifty dollars. That's a pretty steep application fee. Yeah, it is. You know, and then, yeah, and then you had to show that you could be a registrar. So you had to prove to the, you know, the internet, in essence, uh, ICANN, the National Committee of Assignment of Names and Numbers. You had to prove to them that you you were worthy and that you could sustain um, a domain um, over a long period of time. Because you know they they don't want you to start you know dot dot uh you know music or dot movie and then five years later you 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 go under that's not going to do anybody any good time to that i imagine would be your c-suites yeah um now what are that what is that all about how did that get started well we you know when i was um i had my own television show on bloomberg well it even goes back to when i was a cmo of kodak when i was a cmo of kodak i used to pay like fifty thousand dollars a year to go to three meetings a year uh to be with a bunch of cmos like myself and I, that was one of the most valuable experiences I ever had. And I just thought, man, get with these peers and, and I could be in the same room and we could talk about stuff. And, um, you know, like gosh, you know, somebody would have some people come to me for advice. Like, you know, Jeff, I got to get out on Na a NASCAR. You know, they said they were spending $28 million in NASCAR. And said, just don't see it. And we're in financial troubles. Could, Jeff, what do you think? You know, how did you, you know, how'd you do it? You know, and, so we had things like that. So, you, so when you're in that C-suite level, especially if you're all peers, like at a billion dollar level or more, then, you know, it's a great way for you to talk and, and you know, and, and share. And by, by sharing, you, you learn and, and you can help each other. And of course, a lot of us moved around, but that was only 50 people. I always thought, wow, man, I really like to have a bigger group than that. I'd love to get something started, but I'm, you know, off doing my own stuff. So when I left, Kodak, I went off and created my own television show on Bloomberg, and, and as a result of that, I started thinking about the C-suite and 
that was the name of the show. It was called The Sea Suite with Jeffrey Hazel. And then one day I, I was on my third episode of, um, uh, we were the best primetime television show out there at the time. But more people were watching me online than were watching me through broadcast. Mm. It's like, holy crap, that, that's a waste of money. Um, waste of time. Uh, why don't I go do this online? And why don't I go create a community that wants to watch it? So uh, we, we spent the next three years getting it off the air um, and, and getting our own thing set up. So now we own, you know, C-Suite TV, which has 47 television shows. We're on C-SuiteTV.com. We're, we're streaming, which is on Apple, Roku, Amazon Fire, and Viewed TV, which is a billion television, smart television sets around the world. And then we're on, um, you know, broadcast. So we're, we're the business channel on United. We're, we're uh, in elevators. We actually buy 36 cities on Sunday night. So tonight, you know, you and I are taping this uh, right now on, on Super Bowl Sunday. And, you know, I'll, my shows will be up against the Super Bowl. So bad chance anybody will be watching it. But <laughs> nonetheless, 36 cities. You can come and watch one of our shows, you know. Um, so, you know, I get how we stack up, no problem. I won't even be watching my own shows. So, um, you know, so that's 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 what we do. And so we created that. Then we created C Suite Radio, which is a, a podcast network. Where you know we'll have, soon have a hundred podcast shows on the network, and we're we're so excited about that. And, and that's giving us the ability to do so much more for. Not just us, but our but our host, and and more importantly for the people that listen. Then we got a book club. We got a we're starting in the academy. We got a speakers bureau starting up in April, and you know these are the things that we're doing. So we're we're branding a we're you know we're branding a community, which means we're we're building a community, but then we're owning you know we're owning it. Um, if you go look up the hashtag C Suite, we're a good majority of that of that traffic, you know. Um, we started most of that, so we were pretty excited about it. You seem to sometimes go out of your way to get that one nugget of advice. You mentioned the meeting with all the CMOs and how that was so valuable. And I'm guessing, so even time you may only get one sentence out of the entire event, but it'd be worth it to you. You had written a story. Yeah, well, you got you got to look for those keepers. I'm I'm sorry, to jump in there, but you get me. You put the quarter and you get to go for the full ride. Go for it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Well, you know, there's a guy named oh, what was Terry's like? Terry Paulson, Doctor Terry Paulson. He's out of uh, out of California, uh, former member of the national. Well, he's a member of National Speaker Association, Speaker Hall of Fame. He's former president of that association. I've known Terry for 30 years, I bet. And one year uh, back in the 80s or 90s, you know, he talked about keepers. And I've never forgot about that. So every meeting I go to, or every convention, or everything that I try to do, I try to find the keeper in it. You know, that one, two thing that you want to write down. And I've always just, I've always remembered that. And so a lot of times I'll ask them, what was the keeper of the meeting? You know, um, because those are, wouldn't it be great? You know, and sometimes I actually do this. I actually write the notes down and I do keep them. I keep them on a little file somewhere that's uh, special for me. And I mean, I, I, I just recently pulled out a sheet of paper that I, from a meeting like seven years ago. I was at me in Vegas, and I, and I said, I knew this was going to come in handy. And I showed it to my son uh, again in the meeting. I said, do you remember this meeting? He goes, yep, I did that. And it was it was all about, you know, how to do tripwires and how to lead people down, um, you know, sales funnels and and utilize, um, you know, uh, marketing funnels or click funnels. And this, I saw a, a young young man in a meeting 
Um, and I said to my son, I said, pay attention to this kid because he's going to be good. And, and he's, he, he just, he's still tearing it up. He's just tearing it up. And, and, and I, and our team went and I said, go buy his software. So that was that's what we did. That's awesome. And I, I like the idea of just keeping that one or two things because we can't keep track of everything. So if you can get those nuggets. Yeah, 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 yeah. The nuggets are good, right? The rest of it's just dust. It's gold dust. The rest <laughs> exactly. of it's gold dust, you know? It, it adds up to a lot, but those nuggets are the ones, that's what, that's what you remember. Well, you uh, went through, um, through quite the hoops to get a nugget from Charlie Munger one time, where you bought a share of Berkshire Hathaway so you could go to the um, stockholders meeting. That's true. That's true. I like stuff like that. Um, I, just, I do crazy stuff like that all the time. Or buy a piece of the company or a couple of shares just so I can say I'm a, share, a shareholder. I like that. That's all right. Um, I, I, that's re- those are respectful kinds of things to do. And boy, you know, you take a guy like uh, Berkshire Hathaway, um, the CEO of um, Warren Buffett. Wow. Yeah, what a smart guy. You know, I saw him in New York the other day. And, and you know what he was doing? Hailing a cab. Oh, I believe it. You know, but I, that's just respect. I... I, and I was outside the Walden for story, the old Walden for story, just around the corner, and and he was across at another place, and I thought that's Warren Buffett's den over there. Yeah. And then I saw him hail a cab. Wasn't calling an Uber. Didn't call a limo. You know, which you'd think he'd have. Right. He just raised his hand, got into a cab, took off. <laughs> I thought that was pretty impressive. It's a, you know what? That's a good lesson. It's a good lesson. A very good lesson. Sometimes I take the train out to the airport or do things like that because, you know, it's just a little cheaper and I got the time. And, you know, but that spend your money where it's going to do you the most good. Also, I don't know if you remember, but I always felt the one thing that got uh, George H.W. Bush not reelected besides Ross Perot, was that incident where he didn't know how the grocery store scanner worked. Yeah, that cost him a lot. He was just blown away by that. You know, they well, now they ask candidates, what's the price, what's a, a price of a gallon of milk or a loaf of bread? You know? Oh, that would screw me over. I wouldn't know what a loaf of bread is. <laughs> I, yeah, it, it would me too. I, I don't know. You know, I, what the hell do I know? You know? Um, but yeah, he just remember that he didn't know what a what a what a price scanner was on the right. at the supermarket. He had he hadn't been in so long uh, that that was put him out of touch. You know? Exactly. But you know, at the same time, I, I go like, but the guy knew what Merv missiles were. He knew what nerve gas was. Oh sure, sure. You know, he knew he knew. Yeah, he knew he knew who the the president of uh, Uganda might have been, or or uh, or you know, Pakistan, and whereas most other people wouldn't have known. So, you know, quite frankly, in the big scheme of things, I'd much rather have them know that shit than know the other stuff. <laughs> All true. I just was saying it's a good, sometimes it's good to stay in touch with what everybody's doing, oh, just to have an idea. Well, you know, the, yeah, exactly. The, you know, I think about that every time, you know, Trump goes back into town and shuts off half the city because he's got so much, you know, uh, detail and the planes and all that stuff, the security stuff. And I, I'd like to see him take the subway a little bit more. Maybe we get some damn things fixed around here. Um, <laughs> you know, those, I think, you know, well, but I think that's important, you know. Uh, it's important. Speaking of subway, I can't. I, I'm trying to work a deal where the subway gets theme cleaned on every station. Hmm. I'm just, <laughs> I just are power washed. I think I, I'm. I just wrote to the guy that's the head of the subway thing and said, you should have companies who just, um, you know, adopt a station hmm. and they and they and they clean it. Like a sponsor, like the highway, right. um, where people pick up yeah. for a mile and they sponsor that section of the highway. Exactly. Good idea. Yeah, I'd do it. Yeah, I'd do it because I'd want my I 
I, I, you know, you walk down through a subway or something, it's just filthy. And I just want to get a power washer and clean the damn thing because be- they're beautiful if they get cleaned up. Yeah, like Japan. Uh, yeah, well, or, you know, or Toronto. Toronto. The new guy's from up near, he, the, good, the new guy's from Toronto. Oh, okay. And he's a, he's a pretty sharp operator. Well, we'll see what happens. Before, or I guess uh, all throughout your life, you've uh, bought and sold over, what, 250 businesses, I think you said one time? Yep, yep. Now, how does that work? How do you find the time? Well, Getting, well, you get you get well. One one business uh, I was in called Mailwell, which was uh, turned into Symbio, publicly traded printing company. We we had bought about 140 companies in about a year and a half, and I was involved in, in helping that to go. And I helped roll up franchises before, you know, bought them individually for myself or as part of a you know a syndicate or group that was uh, taking a company public or. Uh, or at the time, just you know, consolidating part of the industry as part of a roll-up. Yeah, you just you just get really good at it. I mean, um, you know, buying a business is you know something you want to take your time with in terms of knowing it. But once you know it, you pretty much. I mean, there's some nuances, but uh, there's some basic rules that go with it. So you just got to get really smart about understanding business and you got to be a, you got to have a good nose too and, and what i mean by that is that you know like that cadence question that we had earlier mm-hmm. we talked about feeling for the business you got to have a good nose like this doesn't smell right you know so for you know i'll give you a good example i was buying a printing company once and the guy was telling me what he wanted and i said uh, it doesn't make sense i look at your books it doesn't make sense and he and he, and he goes well you know it's not all reported you know, of course, when I walked mm-hmm. in, I, I recognized that there was a Mercedes out front, and somehow I got the conversation going. And of course, he told me that was his car. But yet, the business, um, the books of the car, hell, the damn car was almost as, as you know as much revenue as the you know uh, the business was doing. It was a very small business in a small town in South Dakota. It was in Mitchell, and it was doing about a third of what you know I thought. Well, no, about. Uh, a sixth or an eighth of what my other business was doing at the time. And so I, I just said, man, this, this doesn't make sense. He said, well, not everything's on the books. And I finally got him to admit not everything was on the book, meaning he was keeping a lot of stuff in cash and not reporting it and so forth. And I said, well, I don't pay for that. You know, if it's not reported, it's not part of this. Why, why would I want to just take your word for it? I said, you know, you seem like a real reputable guy, but, but you got to have a good nose for it doesn't make sense, you know, or sure. it doesn't look right. Yeah. Sounds almost sketchy. Well, it, well, it, you know, but there are a lot of people that run their businesses. There's a lot of people go to jail for that too. Right. <laughs> so. Um, you know, there, I mean, there's ass that's out there all the time, but, or, you know, people who just, you know, they skirt the law, don't report sales tax, don't do, don't do the right things. I, I don't understand that. Um, but there are people who there are people who who operate like that, which is, you know, gives the rest of us a kind of a really bad name. Would you consider yourself to be a serial entrepreneur? Yes, without question. I like starting stuff. I mean, I, you know, to even to the point like, look, I got it. Um, um, a lot of us have uh, our addicts at, at some level um, for uh, whether it might be substances or whatever. I'm, I'm a workaholic, um, which is which is the same as being an alcoholic and just I'm addicted to work. I like to work. It turns me on. It excites me. It gives me a rush. And, um, you know, to the point where I wrote about this in one of my books, I had to go. My wife finally says, you got to go get some help. You're out of whack. 
So I went to a clinic, you know, one of those like Malibu clinics. Uh, Did you buy it? And um, oh, sorry. No, I, <laughs> so funny because it's funny you would say that because I'm in the back of the room going, oh, so much ahead. There's the book cost this much. There's the food, and and I was literally figuring out the figuring it out. Going, yeah, I this is so. a bad business. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I I do that all the time. There's, I'm constantly doing that, and and you know somebody I was at a, uh, a speech yesterday in Raleigh, and someone called me the marketer's marketer, which I thought was a really nice term. But but in that you know, but I can usually because of the experience and the way I think and wired, I can see things pretty quickly um, in a business to figure it out. So. So I, you know, I, I I do like a lot, and I love to start things. I love to get businesses started. I do like that process. The reason why I'm asking that is because I almost feel a, a weird disconnect. But as a serial entrepreneur, why would you want to go work for a large corporation, even in a high level CMO position? Isn't that kind of anathema to the mindset? To some extent, although it's a, it's it's to help the company restart to rego, so that's part of it. The, I, I also like other, here, I have there's different facets. I don't think you're just one thing in life. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted the experience. I wanted to go to work for a billion dollar company. I mean, look, uh, my friend, how many people do you know that were at that level? Um, I, you know, there's not that many. When you think about a fortune 100 company and there's five officers and that's getting, being liberal about it, that's 500 people in the world. I, w- I was one of 500 in the world. Or you think of Fortune 1000, that's only 5,000 people. There are more people playing professional football in the U.S. Wow. than there are Fortune 1000 officers. Good point. So that's, when I tell you and put it in that perspective, I was at the top of the top of the top. So that's a small club, and we all know each other. So, you know, as my CEO once told me before I left uh, Kodak you know, uh, a number of years ago, he said, no one can ever take that away from me. And he's right. That's a pretty, pretty heady club. And, um, you know, and I, and I wanted to do that. I never knew that I wanted to do it when I was getting to do it. But once I started figuring it out, I went, whoa, I want to do this. Hmm. And, and I, I enjoyed it. It was, it was hard. Trust me, it's really hard because you're sitting in rooms going, you know, like somebody should do something about this. And then you realize that's you, you know. Um, you know, so, and, and you gotta, you gotta know there's no game. There's no freaking like manual for it. You know, if I go buy a franchise, which I love franchises, you go buy a franchise, they gotta get, follow the freaking plan. You follow their plan, you'll be successful. Pretty much. It's when you don't follow their plan and don't put in the kind of hard work you're going to have to. And by the way, it's always going to take more hard work than what they tell you or what <laughs> you think it is. It's, it's always the case. But if you do that, you'll be successful. Well, when you're at that level of the company, as much as you, as much as it's a big company, it's pretty damn lonely, and um, and and you got to figure it out. It's not like, not like you know. It's like when I first got there, I thought, wow, I'm going to be hanging out with the CEO all the time, with the president of this division, and this and this. And this. No, I never saw those folks. Hmm. Never saw them. We maybe got together. We tried to get together once a month as an executive team. Once a month. And, um, and many times you had to join by phone, but I maybe talked to the CEO, maybe talked to my CEO, my boss four times a month. And that was either through email or phone call. And then, isn't that something to think about that? 
um, and we're talking about billions and billions of dollars, it, it was expected you just did your job. You know, you do it. And and you got hired. You're doing it because that's what they, you got to, that's what you signed up to do. So you were relatively independent in, in a sense. Yeah. So, it, so from an entrepreneur perspective, you know, you know, entrepreneurs, they start off as one man band or one one woman band, and then they, they add the valve followers, and then they add these skilled technicians. And that's, that's in essence what you're doing when you step into a role like that. You know, I start out, it's me. Okay, now who do I got with me? Okay, who can I get to go with me here? Meaning even inside the company. So we're going to go here. We're going to get this done. Who's with me? Come on, join in. And then, and then as you start getting people going down the path, then you start figuring out who's the ones to keep or who the ones to get rid of and, or how to bring in more people to do a better job. Since you've been at all levels, pretty much, um, do you find a commonality? Like, is it all ultimately the same rhythm or cadence, but at a different scale? Yep. You, you just hit it. It's just zeros. It's just zeros. And um, now, I mean, it, the intensities can be heavier. I mean, but look, if you haven't been an owner of a business, lying in bed, you know, knowing how you're going to make payroll the next day, you haven't freaking that. Okay. So, so that it's got a different level there. You don't have to worry about that as much as the bigger companies, but you still have big work. Okay. And, um, and sometimes it is about making payroll or, or having enough money or, but if you're publicly traded it's more about hitting the earnings or, or, you know, uh, increasing your IIR or, you know, or NRR or whatever it might net realize rate or, um, or hitting certain, you know, goals, but, and it can be intensive. I mean, I've been in meetings where I've just almost like lost my stomach. Um, you, and just because I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing, you know, I was trying to figure it out, you know, but, uh, or I got myself in trouble, um, in a nice way. I mean, it wasn't like illegal, but it was like, I did something stupid. Yeah. Sure. Um, and we all do those things. Yeah. Didn't think it through. No, I didn't like, I didn't like those moments, but that's what happened. It was a little, those are learning moments. Like people ask me all the time, what's the biggest mistake you've ever made? I say, I don't know. I haven't done it yet. You know? <laughs> well, as a, a final question, what is the most impactful thing that you have seen, done, or had done to you that has informed everything since? Um, wow, that's, that is an absolutely wonderful question. I think it's the stuff that we're, that, that's really what we're focusing around the hero factor. I just recently wrote a book, and it was based on a, on an idea from a gentleman by the name of Rob Ryan, who sold his company back in 1998 for $20.4 billion. And he created the largest number of billionaires ever created in one day because he gave a portion of his company to all of his employees. And he didn't need to do that. And, and the more I got to studying people like that and looking around and seeing great companies that run with hero cultures, you know, I I started finding things out like 28% of the people who work at a company don't even know what it stands for. And, 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 and so I, I saw that companies, there were great companies or good companies that went to great companies, but yet they weren't value-based companies. When, once they became value-based companies, I found out that people make, they make more money, more revenue. Their employees are happier. Uh, uh, vendors want to do business with them because they're decent they're decent companies not want to pay in 90 days you know they, they want to pay their bills fast you know they want to do the do the right things for the right reasons and the customers are happier and, and it was just a wow so to me that's the thing that's had the biggest impact like how why can't we all operate like that i i like to operate like that 
you know, in my own company today, C-Suite Network, uh, Tallgrass, uh, public relations company we own, or, or my own Hazel Group uh, company and the, and the other things I'm on, I pay for people's insurance benefits. I give them full this, I give them full that. I try to do this for them. I try to do that. You know, more than just coffee in the break room kind of stuff. And, and I know other companies that do that. And I just thought, wow, we've got to create something that's bigger than that. So we created the Hero Club and to, to really focus in on how we grow more hero companies. And we have people sign a pledge that says, you just won't be an asshole. You're going to do the right things for the right reasons because that's what good people do. So that's, that's, that'd be the thing I say has the biggest impact. So, and I encourage other people I've got, you know, I actually put together a hero intensity chart and a, an assessment that people could take for free. You don't have to buy my book or do any of that. You can just go, go to herofactorbook.com and just get a free assessment and, and, and do your own testing and figure out your own way. And if you'd love to buy the book, great. If you'd love to become a member of the hero club. Love to have you. Uh, but let's start doing things for the right reasons all the time. That's a fantastic positive message to wrap up on. Now, what would be your preferred place for people to find you? Well, all you got to do is look up Hazlet. H-A-Y-Z-L-E-T-T is not the most common name. Uh, there are a few other Jeffrey Hazlets out there. My cousins want at some level. But uh, but you just look for me and you can find me. Email me, LinkedIn, tweet me, Facebook me. I don't care. Just find us. Um, we're on C-Suite TV, C-Suite Radio. Um, you can find us in the Hero Club. You can find us anywhere you, you want to look. So just look me up. Perfect. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it, my friend. Thank you for spreading the word. Hey there. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more, please check out unstructuredpod.com. There you can find all the episodes, free subscription information, and most of the players and even how to contact me. I would love to hear from you. You can even set up a 15-minute call with me about the show or anything you like. Again, it's at unstructuredpod.com, and I hope to hear from you. Now, in the spirit of sharing, here are other shows you may want to consider checking out. Thanks again. I did not grow up with very much money. Money's energy. Money is something that really scares me. You had about 60 grand in debt. Money isn't the answer. Somebody should just give me a lot of money. My dream was to be the WWE wrestler, but you realize that your dreams change over the years. Money's a tool. It's a key to a gate, and at the other side of the gate is the things that you really want to do with your life. It's the things that matter most to you. It's pursuing those values that make you ultimately happy. Listen to Inspired Money at inspiredmoney.fm. Hi, I'm Tyson Franklin, the host of It's No Secret with Dr. T, which is a small business and marketing podcast. Each week, I interview business leaders who openly share the secrets to the massive success. It's No Secret with Dr. T will educate, entertain, and inspire you. Check it out. You'll find it wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can go to my website, TysonFranklin.com.